Let's welcome those who are with us online one time. Give it up for them. Welcome, wherever you're watching, different state, different country. Welcome. If I have not met you yet in person, my name is Andy. I am the lead pastor, and it is an honor to be with you. I always start out worshiping in the back of the room with my family and just soaking in the, the family, the, the presence of the Lord that is in this place. I am so thankful. I have a serious question to start off. I've been asking the dream team this, and uh, Ethan thought I was going straight into the sermon. Now, side note. Do you all already start to decorate for Christmas already? Unashamed, hands up if you already have. Unashamed, unapologetic. Who says right after Halloween, I'm in there? Okay, we got a few. Who says, no, I gotta wait till Thanksgiving, day after Thanksgiving. Who says week of Christmas, okay? Whoa. All right, we're going to need to seek some reconciliation, unity, culture, value after this with those. Okay, I want to jump into the word this morning. I am so excited. We are closing our series that we've been calling Sold Out. Has this been helpful, encouraging to anyone in the room? I hope so. Uh, this has been, you know, when the Lord gives me a word, he always has to ask me, am I willing to live this out before I preach this? And that is always a convicting moment. Oftentimes I write these and I'm like, I, I hope this is for someone else. This is definitely for me to be encouraged, to be challenged, to be reminded. And so I'm so grateful to hear that it's been convicting, challenging to you all that have been with us. This is, I believe, week number five. Is that right? Week number five, we are closing out this series called Sold Out. We have been rolling through the book of Acts. We weren't going to cover every single verse in five weeks, but we are going to end in chapter 9 about the Apostle Paul. Meanwhile, verse 1, chapter 9, as Paul was going by Saul at this time. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. You need to know that Saul was persecuting the church. At the death of Stephen the martyr, he's there to approve of it. He's dragging Christians to jail. Saul was an angry, violent dude. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, this is what they called the early believers back in the early church, the way, somebody say the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem as he neared Damascus on his journey. Suddenly, somebody say suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Talk about a reverent moment. Talk about an earth-shaking moment. Talk about a moment he will never, ever, ever forget. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Verse 6, now get up. Go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Oftentimes, we think of our salvation story, like, I got saved there, I got my calling three years later, this is happening, like, boom, boom, boom. Experience, encounter with Jesus, calling from the Lord. Now, get up, somebody say, get up. Go into the city, you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. Someone who is a Pharisee of Pharisees, knew the law like the back of his hand, persecuting the church. He was what we would call someone who thought of themselves as religious, has an encounter with Jesus, God himself. The men stood there speechless. 
They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. He was blind. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. You thought you had a hard week? Let's just think about Paul, all right, for a second. Verse 10, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. See, this is the amazing thing about God is he already has people assigned for your future breakthrough to come into your life at the right moment, at the right time. He already had it planned. We focus on Paul a lot in this story, but how about the obedience of Ananias? Would there be the ministry of the apostle Paul without Ananias? A lot of times we, we give credit to just people with a microphone, people who wrote things. What about the unseen, behind closed door obedience that wrote the story of the scriptures? Then the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man. Anyone else want to live on Straight Street? Let's go ask for a man who from Tarsus name Saul, for he is praying in a vision. He has seen a man named Ananias. Come and place your hands on him to restore his sight. Lord Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man. Probably not very good. And all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. Now, you got to put yourself in the shoes of the disciples, people that were trying to do their best just to follow God. And here comes Saul, persecuting, blaming, shaming, throwing people in jail. Now he is, what? Verse 14. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is no, not doomed to hell, not someone that I reject, not someone that I'm done with, not someone that I've given up on, a chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles, their kings, to the people of Israel. Here's the good news of the gospel is while you are still in your sin, Christ died for you. While you are still rebelling, he died for you. While you are still claiming Jesus isn't real, this is a joke, maybe you're seeking, asking, knocking, he still already died for you. While you were dead in your sin, God sent his one and only son on your behalf to, stead, to stand in your place, the death that we deserve. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings, to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he also must suffer for my name. I want to begin this message with a fork in the road distinction here between these two words a believer and Jesus and a follower of Jesus they called them the way they didn't call them believers they called them the way that meant that they didn't just believe in Jesus they followed him see John 10 27 says this my sheep listen to my voice I know them and they follow me I want to set the foundation of this message with this phrase if you don't know how to hear God's voice you can believe in Jesus, but you can't follow him. Many of us have made Christianity, Christian said this on the stage last week, so good as we close the service. Many of us have made Christianity about salvation being the end of our race when it's just the beginning. Well, Andy, I got saved, I got baptized, I've got it on video, I put in my Instagram bio, I'm a Christian, Romans 8, 28, isn't that it? Jesus told Paul, this is just the beginning. You need to know this really clearly, that the Lord did not just die for you to erase the death that you deserve, but he died to set you on a race for his kingdom and for his glory for such a time as this. You need to know, whether you're watching online in the room, you're not a mistake. 
You're not here on accident. Why is your heart still beating? It's because God is not done with you, because he has a plan for you. He has a very specific purpose for a specific time, a very specific people. You are not here on accident. You didn't just pop into this room on accident. God is chasing your heart down with arms wide open. He wants you to know first that he died for you, he loves you, but he has a purpose and a plan for your life. Bigger than you could ever imagine, but bigger than you but if we don't know how to hear his voice, we, we can't follow Jesus. You know, uh, Halloween is on Tuesday. You know what scares me more than Halloween? Is the fact that most Christians don't know how to hear God's voice and discern his voice. That scares me. Discernment, this is what it is. Discernment. See, I think for so many of us, it's not a lack of discipline. It's not a lack of devotion. You're, you're coming to church. You're engaging in circles. You're engaging on the dream team. But what if the greatest pitfall right now of your walk with Jesus is just a lack of discernment. Not being able to distinguish our voice from Satan's voice to God's voice or others' voice. Matter of fact, Halloween doesn't scare me at all. I just give that as an analogy to you to help you understand that for such a time as this, we need somebody to say discernment. I got to know which voice is going through my head and why and where. Where did that come from? You know what's so funny is First off, just hear me very clearly. I'm not against trunk or treat. I'm not against, okay, did your kids dress up last year? Did they dress up today? I'm not, okay, okay. I'm not going to get all weird. But, but we open doors to fear. We open doors to temptation. We open doors to distraction. We say, don't just come into my life. Come and have a seat at my living room table, fear. Uh, is the movies we watch the shows we watch. Andy, it's, it's harmless, but what goes into those eyes go into the heart and comes back out the mouth. So again, not against trunk or treat. We're not doing some big thing on Tuesday, not because the Lord told me Halloween's the worst thing in the world. Don't make sure everybody knows it, right? It's like we got to redeem what the world has tried to do, okay? But I just want to ask you, what voice have you given access into your life? Because for a lot of us, it may be not a lack of Devotion, discipline, but discernment. Here's an acronym that, this is exactly what the enemy's voice sounds like. And just an acronym with the book of Acts. If you're taking notes, please write this down so you can begin to discern the stranger's voice from the shepherd's voice. This is what the enemy's voice sounds like. Accusation. Can you believe you did that? You know, there's a progression between guilt, shame, and condemnation. Guilt says, I did this, and I feel bad for it. Shame says, I did this, and I am this. And we start to identify with our mistakes. We start to say, oh, my struggle with this makes me this. Or going from guilt, shame, condemnation is, I am this, and there is no getting out. I am under condemnation. You need to know very clearly, Romans 8.1 says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That's good news. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is when you don't know Christ. Like, like if your life ends today, you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, heaven and hell are on the line. But somebody praise God that while we were yet sinners, he died on our behalf. We accept the good news, the salvation of the gospel surrendering our lives to him, believing that Jesus is the Son of God. He did die for me. He did raise from the grave. Praise be to God. Now I enter in what's called conviction, where I no longer have to be adjusted by a hammer, but by a feather. 
So this is what the enemy's voice sounds like. Accusation. Can you believe you did that? You know, so many times in our mind, we're replaying the same sin, the same mistake, the same betrayal. And it's like a movie just playing in our mind. And you think it's your thoughts when the enemy's just having a heyday because he knows you have given him a seat at your table to not identify which voice you're giving access to. We are going to expose the enemy this morning. I'm excited. I'm, I'm going to celebrate that in advance because some people are going to get freed this morning. You thought it was a neutral voice, but you're getting freed in Jesus' name this morning. I know the devil did not want me to preach this. Praise be to God. So accusation, condemnation, twisted. You ever been in like a situation conflict with someone in your spouse all of a sudden just words just get twisted you're like no no I, I didn't say that like I, I don't know how you thought I said from take out the dishes to I hate you it's like whoa, whoa, whoa. all I said was like and I'm making this up okay Leanne's and I we're all good wherever she's at hey hey as a pastor you got to be ready to like give scenarios on the spot okay but how many of you know like let's just be serious you know I've had people twist scripture against me I've had people send me text messages quoting scripture, attacking me. You got to know not only the word of God, you got to know how to apply the word of God. Knowledge is just knowing the word of God. Wisdom is applying the word. Wisdom is to know, I don't just know the word. I don't just know theology. That's all extremely important, but I know how to apply it. When, where, how, why, and in a certain way, a certain tone of voice, that's walking with the spirit. Because I could just go out on the street corner of Westfield and say, hey, everybody, come to church. You're going to hell. Knowledge or wisdom says, no, I have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. I have to know when and where and why and how I have to contextualize the word. So make sure that we know when people are twisting scripture for crazy things, Jesus was very clear that you would know a false prophet from a true teacher of the word by their fruit. Ask if it's real or not. Ask if, if, if I can trust what is being preached. Just ask, is there fruit? Very clear. Shame. Shame or spirit-led. This is a conversation I have with the Lord all the time. Anyone else struggle with people-pleasing? You get that text, hey, are you free on Tuesday night for dinner? And you're just like, oh my gosh, I feel like I should. I should, I would, I could. Those are all shame statements. Do you know that? I should, I should have. Man, I should have been there. The enemy wants to keep you in those statements all day long. Shame-led does things just to make other people happy, not to please the Lord. Spirit-led says, I'm not a slave to your opinion or who you think of me. This is the art. You have to care so much about people while not caring what they think about you. That, that's the art of serving people is I care so much about your soul, but I don't care about what you think about me. I care about what he thinks about me. Because if I'm out of line, I'll hear it from him. He will show me. So here's the acronym for how the enemy is going to speak to you. Let me give you a new acronym that we see in the story of Paul, Saul to Paul. Awe, meaning reverence for the Lord. He's a close father. He knows how to speak the word to you in a tailored way that you will understand Jesus speaks to fishermen as fishermen. He speaks to tax collectors as tax collectors. Jesus doesn't speak in some general sense. He speaks to you. He didn't just die for the world arbitrarily. He died for you. He was thinking of you. And story, we're going to see how the Lord turns around our story. So here's the title of the message today. 
Somebody say the turnaround. The turnaround is what I, I, I want you to see in this text. We're going to unpack it. Here's number one. The Lord is going to move us from accusation to awe of who he is. Let's go back to the text. Acts 9, 3 through 7. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up, go into the city. You'll be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. If you're wondering what their faces looked like, it looked exactly like this. That, that's what the people traveling... You got to know, I'm going to slip in a basketball reference when you are least expecting it, okay? So there's the, there's the one for today. Barbecue chicken. Yep, all right, somebody's like, I didn't get that reference, okay. Only my real TNT, Tuesday, Thursday night NBA watchers will get that. But here's what awe is. Back to a serious note. This is what awe is. It's reverence for the Lord. There's a difference when I talk to Aliana in a conversational voice and, and a difference when I start clapping. I say, Aliana. Now, I'm not wanting her to like cripple under the fear of God under me, right? But we have lost our fear of the Lord. The reason why we don't walk in wisdom is because we don't have fear of God. That's Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When I don't fear man anymore, but I fear what God thinks about me, how I'm living my life, how I spend my money, how I spend my time, how I steward the resources he's given me, how I treat people behind their backs when they're not there, how I intercede for people, the fear of the Lord is the beginning to applying the word of God into your life. Wisdom. Acts 9.4. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? I don't know the tone of voice, but I imagine it was a little bit more like Aliana, right? Here's the difference between reverent fear and crippling fear, though. This is really important because a lot of us grew up in churches where it was an unhealthy fear. Don't you dare sin or you're going to X, Y, and Z. That is what we would call religion or a cult. Fear of God has just been manipulated. It's just been twisted. Reverent fear says, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. I bow. I bow before you. I'm not king. I'm not king of my life. I'm not king of how I spend my money. Jesus, I don't want you just for your blood. I want you for your life. You ever heard that quote before? We're vampire Christians. We want Jesus for the saving but not the living out. We want him for the blood, not the life. Reverent fear says, Lord, whether I am prospering or if I am suffering or if I am experiencing both at the same time, blessed be the name of the Lord. I bow before you. And, and, and here's what I want you to know is we will all bow before Jesus one day. You know that? Every knee will what? Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Whether you think Jesus is a joke whether you think all religions lead to heaven, let me just remind you, Jesus is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. No one will go to heaven except through Christ to the Father. So, it's a really good decision to bow here, then wait till then. Everyone will bow. 
I mean, imagine that in your mind's eye. LeBron James will bow. I love the NBA. I have seen LeBron James crown himself in a game. Pride. Self-worship. Self-idolatry. Do you know LeBron will have to lay that crown at his feet? There's one king of kings. There's one Lord of lords. Do you believe that this morning? From the famous to the forgotten, from the richest to the poorest, from the most powerful to the powerless, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I'm grateful that when you make that decision on this side of eternity, you have peace now. But crippling fear, that's a different kind of fear. That's what makes you break with anxiety. That's what makes you break with fear. That's what makes you feel like someone's looking over your shoulder. That is not the fear of God I'm talking about. So let's go back to the text later on in Acts chapter 9. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria, they enjoyed a time of what? Peace. And they were strengthened, living in what? The fear of the Lord fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is what will lead you to apologize to your spouse even though you think you did nothing wrong. The fear of the Lord will convict you to make sure you turn in that report correctly with the right numbers even though you think it's not a big deal because you know you're living for an audience of one. That we will be held accountable on judgment day for what we said, what we did, how we treated people, how we stewarded every single thing that God has entrusted to us. Because they lived in the fear of the Lord, they were encouraged, they were incur- and they were encouraged by the Holy Spirit, they were increasing in numbers. In other words, what was happening is when they got a pure heart before God, everything else took care of itself. They didn't have to focus on some big church growth machine that we're going to get this thing rolling by all these new strategies and things we just thought of. No, 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 we just need to start with a pure heart. Fear of the Lord obedience, loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving neighbor as thyself, that will create a healthy culture, a healthy church, healthy leadership, and you know what healthy things do? They grow. At the right time, at the right pace. But a lot of us, again, we need to be reminded of this phrase that we can't, we can't stand up to Satan until we bow down to Jesus. So a lot of us are trying to Tell the enemy to to flee from our household, stop attacking me, stop messing with me. But the real breakthrough starts with reverence. The the way that you you begin to, you know, the, the word talks about to resist the enemy and he will what? He'll flee from you. But to resist something, you have to have strength. In order to have strength, you have to be surrendered. There there's no fleeing unless you resist. But you have to know that the way I resist is by surrender. It's by building my life on the solid rock of Christ. I apply God's word to my life in every area, my relationships, my money, the way I talk, the way I try to think about things. No, you're not saying you're perfect, but you're saying I am surrendered to the best of my ability right here, right now. Lord, I give you my life. Here's number two. He's going to lead you from condemnation to being close. Here's another acronym for the good news of the gospel. He absolutely cancels the score. Praise God. That all the crazy things that you've done in your past, all the crazy things I've done in my past that I wouldn't want anyone knowing about, he stood in my place. 
took it upon himself and he canceled the score of what sin had marked up on our life. Is anyone grateful for a fresh start this morning? That, that he doesn't just turn the page. He doesn't just turn the page. He doesn't just turn a chapter. He writes a brand new book in your life. And the way the Bible would say this is your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Praise be to God. Ephesians 2.13. But now in Christ, somebody say in Christ. You who were once far away have been brought near. Praise be to God. There's a difference between these two words, reverence and relationship. Reverence is God as king and judge. Our, our walk with God gets unhealthy when we only have one of these two words. If we only know God as king and judge, but we don't have relationship with him, where we speak to God as a friend and as a father, that's where it gets into manipulation. That, that's where it gets into striving. That's where it becomes about works. Okay, God, God's, God's going to judge me one day. I better go to church. I better, I better do this. That's what we would call obligation striving. When you know that he's already pleased with you just because of the blood of Christ on your life, and you live from a place not out of obligation, but out of opportunity to serve the Lord, to say, I don't have to, I get to. And I get to go to church today. I mean, I get to preach today. I get to be with my church family today. I get to tithe. I get to serve my wife. That is what we would call living in relationship with God. It, it said, it, I mean, look at the relationship Moses had with God. Moses is receiving the Ten Commandments. You imagine how big of a deal that would be if you were like sitting in his shoes, like, oh my goodness. But then it says in Exodus 33 that Moses speaks to God as one would speak to a friend. The God of the universe who died for you, created the moon, the sun, the stars, and everything in it, everything belongs to the Lord. God is mindful of you to speak to you as a friend. And that's your father. That's who he is. So here's how I put it in my notes, and, and write this down. When reverence and relationship work together, one needs adjusted by a feather, not a hammer. When I have reverence of God in my life, and I fear him, and I care about what God has to say about what I'm doing in my life, and I talk to him as a friend, we don't have to keep making the same crazy big mistakes over and over and over and over. You just need a little course correction by the gentle leading of the Holy Spirit that says, go left, go right, take a step back, go apologize to them. Conviction is that little small voice in your heart that tells you to go say, I'm sorry, to forgive, to not withhold the past any longer. So Acts 9, 6 this is what it says. Somebody say, now get up. Go into the city. You'll be told what you must do. Now let's go even deeper on this. This is what Paul's call is that he's experiencing in this moment. He's being called to obey before he has clarity on what it will look like. A lot of us want to say, God, and I've been there, I'll say yes when I kind of understand where you're taking me. I'll move to another state as long as I kind of have an idea of what I'm going to be doing. Paul has an encounter with Jesus, and immediately Jesus says, now get up and go to that city. You will be told what you must do later. Here's another way to say it. Say yes before you see. What, why? I mean, I, I love, you know, the illustration of me and my daughters 
Aliana and I have been doing puzzles. I'm not a puzzle guy, but it's really fun when you're hanging out with your two-and-a-half-year-old. She wants to do puzzles, and we, 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 we talk about the animals. You see the tiger, the elephant, the bear. We're putting it all together, right? And then we always lose one piece that goes under the couch. You find, like, three months later, it's got, like, dust. Okay, just make sure you're with me, okay? But this is what God does is he asks for your obedience, and he gives you clarity one piece at a time. You don't see the full picture. Why? Because this, the best healthy obedience in your life is when you say yes, not for a reward, but out of relationship to God. Let me say that again. The healthiest obedience in our walk to God and our walk with God is where it flows from relationship, not for a reward. Meaning, I say yes to God because he's my Lord and Savior, not because I'm waiting for some crazy promotion around the corner. Now, God is so good that he might give you that promotion. Praise be to God. He might bless you. He is going to bless you in ways that you could never even dream of. But God is always coming to my life, and he's always coming with a gentle conviction to say, Andy, are you just seeking my hand or are you seeking my face? Psalm 24. Those who have clean hands and a pure heart, those who are of the generation that seek your face, meaning you don't seek God for what he can give you, his hand, you seek his face for who he is. Are you with me this morning? So say yes before you see. Say yes to moving to that place. I, don't, I would love to keep you here, okay? I'm just using that as an example. Say yes to taking that job even before you understand the full picture, if God has called you to do it, if God has called you to do it, that's all you need to say yes. You just need the calling from the Lord. He'll take care of the rest. Another way to say it would be this, walk by what you hear, not by what you see. Some of us are in circumstances right now where what we heard in our prayer closet is not matching up with what we see in the natural right now. Meaning God has given us some promises that you have not seen manifest in the natural yet. You have to walk by faith, not by sight. You have to know in those low, low valleys to be able to still declare the Lord. No, Lord, you spoke this. I know you said it. I wrote it down. I know you're going to be faithful. I have not yet seen the manifestation of it yet. Walk by what you hear, not by what you see. Here's number three. He's going to take you from the twisted voice of the enemy and help you understand that he is tailoring things to help you see the goodness of God. Acts 9, 4, he fell to the ground. He heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He's calling him by name. John 10, 3, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by what? By name. He leads them out. God calls you by name. Think about when Jesus is risen. I mean, the, the story of the resurrection account Mary comes to see Jesus, and she's asked, where did they go? What did they do with him? And how does Jesus respond? Mary, through the angel, Mary, by name. Ecclesiastes 8.3, look at this. Do not be in a hurry to leave the king's presence. Now, this is talking about an actual physical king. Now, we're talking Jesus, the Lord, the king of kings, the actual only king in the universe. But I want to give you an example of this. Do not be in a hurry to leave the king's presence. Recently, with my daughter, Emma Nora, my other daughter, 
She is two and a half months old-ish, and, and we're at the phase where we're doing the baby carrier. Any, like, young dads out there, you got your baby right here, you're walking around. Now, did we have the baby carriers two decades ago? I don't even know. Any parents out there, like, no, that's a new invention? Okay. Now you're figuring out how young I am? Okay. But there's this intimacy that happens when Eminora is right here, and I'm right here. We're face-to-face. Here's what I want to help you understand. I'm going to illustrate this a little bit more, is that lingering will lead to distinguishing. I asked you at the very beginning, how do you tell the difference between God's voice, Satan's voice, your voice, and others' voice? Here's one of the main answers I would give you. Linger in his presence. Linger. Ecclesiastes 8.3. Let's put that back up again. Do not be in a what? Okay, I did my devotion. I got my Jesus calling in. Now I'm going to work. And now, no, no, no. Carve out time to linger. That means you, you read through your scriptures for the morning. You prayed about certain things that God put on your heart. And then, this is how I love to finish my prayer time. For about three to five minutes, I'll just stand there in silence at the end. I'll open up my hands. I want to teach you how to pray. You're going through the word. You're praying. You're talking to God. You're laying your concerns behind. And, and at the very end, I just linger. And more times than not, one of the breakthroughs I needed for that day came when I was lingering. When I just said, Lord, I, 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 I'm here. Like, what else do you have for me? He'll give me a phrase that changes the course of my day. Linger in his presence. For example, okay, Emma Nora, I was just talking about her. Two or three weeks ago, she starts crying in the middle of service, okay? Now, she's my daughter, so she can do that. Okay, just kidding, all right? So, no, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. You're all with me again. But immediately, I knew that was her cry. I didn't see her. I didn't know what was going on. I recognized her cry. Why? Because the amount of times we have lingered together, the amount of intimacy we have spent together, where I'm just looking at her face, she's just looking at mine, in the crowd of people. This is how you know. You know, when I played basketball, there was something about where you're playing in the game, and all of a sudden, my dad says something from the stands. In a crowd of a thousand people, I just knew that was my dad who said that. That's the kind of discernment God wants for you. That at the drop of a dime, I knew that was him. All the other voices are talking. All your other friends have opinions. All your other family has opinions. Oh, you shouldn't have done that. Why'd you do that? Why'd you move here? Why are you taking that job? Why are you a radical for Jesus now? But you know your father's voice is right there, and that's the only thing that you need to get you through. That's the only thing to sustain you. Here's the thing is so many times you're waiting for a breakthrough. You're waiting to get to the next, and the Lord said, the manna in this season is just lingering in my presence. That's all you need. Just linger a little longer. Play the worship music a little bit longer. Just stand still and know that he is God. Some of the best words God has ever spoken into my life. When I say best, they're all amazing. But there's some that you remember very specifically, right? It came from a place of lingering. It came from a place where you're driving down the highway. And instead of listening to music, you just sit in silence for two hours. Father, speak to me, I'm listening. But I told you this last week, you have to be faithful to write it down, what he tells you. If you go into my phone, if you go into my journals, I have thousands of notes. Literally, the moment I, I get a word from the Lord, I'm, I might be sitting at the dinner table. Leanza, give me literally two seconds. I just need to write that down because then I don't make the same mistakes two years later because I wrote down what he said then. Are you with me? Some of us are going in circles spiritually. 
We're going through the same breakups, the same crazy financial things. We're going through the same things. You just need to write it down and obey and say, God, no longer. I'm not going to live under this generational curse any longer. In Jesus' name, I feel that right now, that people, you have gone in a cycle of familiarity. This is my next line. I didn't plan that. Is this familiarity. Let's go all the way down, Ethan, for a second. Familiar can be the greatest ally or enemy of your faith. Some of us are so familiar with shame and fear because that's how we grew up that that's just normal. That, that you've spent so much time, and maybe not even by your choice, hearing shame, condemnation, and fear, that you can no longer discern your father's voice from the stranger's voice because it's just familiar. Familiar might be the greatest enemy of your faith or the greatest ally. What I mean by that is familiarity in his presence, intimacy in his presence, where it doesn't take you three, four months to figure out what God is telling you. It takes three to four minutes. Maybe you don't get the full picture. We see in part, we know in part. Let's go back up for a second. Galatians 1, 11 through 12. Paul said this, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by what? Revelation in Jesus Christ. Anyone else hate when you go to a bonfire? You start smelling like bonfire smoke, okay? I asked the dream team this this morning. Now, anyone else willing to change the type of outfit that you would wear so you don't get your favorite clothes next to the bonfire? Okay, now I'm the only one. You're all judging me. Okay, just, okay, all right. But this is the kingdom of God. You can smell where people have been. You ever talk to someone, you can smell it on them. They have been in the secret place with Jesus. You don't even have to ask them. You look into their eyes, you tell the countenance on their face, you can tell, oh, you've been with Jesus. I can smell the smoke of the presence of God. Literally, the, the reason why the bonfire smoke is such a real thing is you had to get close enough. Come on. You had to get close enough for a long enough time to begin to smell like the aroma of the kingdom of God. This isn't, let me just share it this way, this isn't secondhand faith. So many of us are like, you know, I talk to people on an airplane and, and you know, I'll start witnessing to them and, and one of their first things they say, I love this, when I tell them I'm a pastor, I don't know why, this must just be like the trigger or something is, oh, my grandpa was a pastor. It's like, okay, hey man, I didn't even ask. Like, that's cool, all right. Because we want so badly to just have secondhand faith. I don't know if you're with me this morning. We just want it to be enough if our grandpa was a pastor. We just want it to be enough if our mom went to church and took us with them. But the Lord is asking you this morning, have you had an up-close encounter with the Lord face-to-face? Where you smell like smoke. Oh, you've been with Jesus. You don't have second-hand faith. You have first-hand encounter. Paul said, I didn't receive this by my grandmother, my grandpa, my mom who brought me to church. I received it by revelation. Revelation is an encounter with the Lord. Revelation can only come from relationship. So Paul is asking, we are asking, I am asking, have you had a firsthand encounter with the Lord? Acts 9, 15, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. Now you might think this is hilarious. You might think I'm crazy. But I want to let you in a little bit more on the intimacy of my walk with Jesus because I, I want to share this experience with you. I remember when we were praying about 
whether or not we would go to the YMCA. I've shared this story many times, different pieces to the puzzle. And there were probably about 100 different confirmations, confirmations I could name of how God showed me and showed our team that that was the right decision. I could literally show you a whole list of them. Went to men- mentorship through 12 Stone, went to our elders. I mean, you could just write a list. But one of them, I remember because it was so humorous to me how the Lord spoke to me. I told you that God will take it from something that seems twisted, and he knows how to speak to a fisherman. He knows how to speak to a basketball player. He knows how to speak to a teacher. He knows how to speak to a coach. He knows how to speak to someone who's interested in hunting, fishing. He knows how to tailor his voice to speak to you. This is funny, but I'm just going to share this. I remember, you know, we were praying, and it's like, okay, I already had all the confirmation I needed. And just the cherry on top I don't even know how this is so funny. I get an email from someone, and the email in the inbox was just around the decision that I was making, and it said, from Andrew Spaulding. Okay, now at first you're like, okay. My real name is Andrew. You could probably make my last name Spaulding. Okay, now you're with me. Okay, maybe someone. It was the moment where God was showing me, this is easy for me. I know exactly how to speak to you when no one else does. He gets you when no one else does. It may look like a spooky sign to someone else, but you know what it was to me? It was confirmation. I knew my father was speaking to me because he knows me better than my spouse. He knows me better than my family. He knows me better than you would ever know me because there's intimacy. He created me. He formed you. He knows exactly how to speak a word into your life. Let me, let me take this a step further. God said it's his chosen instrument. God doesn't shame your passion. He gives purpose to it. I bear before you that some years of my life, in the past five, six years, I was made fun of. I was labeled as the sports evangelist, the Nike evangelist. Oh, he's the guy that always wears jerseys. I always got a hard time. You always wear this jersey. And I know some of that's fun in games. Some of it was like a real, like, an attack on me, though. Not from here. So you all asking, like, was that me? No, okay? Just solve all that from my past. And I really started to believe the shame, like maybe I'm just passionate about something stupid. And I realized over time it was not a passion, it was a calling. That God did not just give me this random passion about sports, it was a calling to contextualize the ministry he was going to give me for his kingdom and for his glory. Are you with me this morning? So let's just speak that to your situation. You think you're in music for no reason. Maybe the reason why God is calling you to stop listening to explicit music is because he has an artist living inside of you. Well, Andy, I'm just, I happen to be into building things. Maybe he put an architect inside of you to build blueprints. Shout out to Josh Parlos one time in the house for the kingdom of God. He doesn't shame your passion. He gives purpose to it. Well, Andy, I just kind of like to play the piano. I don't really know. Maybe he gave you a purpose in that. Your father is so good that he takes things that the enemy would want to twist and he turns it for his glory. Do you believe that? That's been one of the most freeing things in my life in the last few years. I'm not an accident. My passions are not an accident. They were actually on purpose for such a time as this to contextualize to a specific city, a specific time, a specific group of people. That is called freedom. 
But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument. Now, let's just go back to the disciples' shoes for a second. Could you imagine being a disciple? The same guy that was persecuting you is now the chosen instrument. Let's be honest. Raise hands. How mad would you be? My hand's up. Uh, Jesus, did you not see us show up to VBS every day? <laughs> let's be honest. Oh, we're just going to be like fake. Okay, so no. The, 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 the actual posture of our heart probably in the moment would be, this is ridiculous. I have faithfully served. I have been there. You know what that heart posture is? It's the same posture of the older son when the lost son came home. Um, Lord, I grew up in a religious household. And Paul comes along, has a massive encounter with you. He's your chosen instrument. Give me a break. Let me just tell you this. Religion is always threatened by relationship. I got the Holy Ghost chills right now. I feel it in the room because some of us are being set free from religion this morning. And God is calling you into relationship. Jesus says on Judgment Day, many, many will say, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we come to VBS every day? Didn't we send our kids into one kids? And Jesus will say, Depart from me, for I never knew you. The saving gospel story is not by works. It's by grace through relationship with him we are saved. Do you believe that? But religion is always threatened by relationship. Religion is insecure. Um, they just got baptized. They need like four years of a theology degree before they go out and do anything for the kingdom of God. Really? Because uh, this dude was just persecuting the church of God. And Jesus says, now go. I have a calling for you. Yes, he spent time with the disciples. Yes, he studied. But we would be afraid. Uh-oh, this is actually what happened. The disciples were afraid of Paul. Did you know that? They get word, uh, 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 Paul's coming back? No, 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 no. They were scared of him because he had such a radical transformation. Acts 9, 26 through 27, he came to Jerusalem. He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing he was really a disciple. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Don't you want to be a Barnabas, not a hater? Barnabas took him and said, no, 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 no. I saw this, like, like Saul's been on his journey, and he, I saw how the Lord had spoken to him in Damascus. He preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Here's a question I have for you this morning, and God asked me this question, humbled me to the core. If God brought revival through someone else, would you pray just as hard for it? If we got the good news that revival came through another church in Westfield today, would we pray and intercede just as hard? Paul says to the church of Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you're focused on who gets the glory, you are still a baby Christian. Rebukes the church of Corinth and says, you are living on the milk when I called you to live on the meat. Why? They're saying, oh, it's all about Apollos. It's about Paul. Oh, I follow Apollos. Well, I follow Barnabas. Well, I go to Northview. Well, I go to I-Town. Well, I go to Trader's Point. Well, I go. And the Lord is saying, would you please grow up in your faith? It's not about that church name. It's not about one church. In fact, that's Big reason why we named our church One Church. It's a name that describes unity. That says this. This is the dream that the Lord has for you. You ready? It's going to be better than you could imagine, and it's going to be bigger than you. The Lord always has plans for our life. 
bigger than you can imagine. I mean, literally, you can even dream it. You can think of it. Habakkuk 1.5 says, if you had someone come up to you and tell you the story that God was going to write in your life, you wouldn't even believe it. It would blow you away. Just turn to your neighbor and tell me it would blow you away. And it's always going to be bigger than you. Because at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's about him. Would you stand to your feet this morning? And we'll be done. Number four, he's going to take shame and turn it to a story. Can I get an amen for that? Praise be to God. Acts 9, 3 through 7. He fell to the ground, verse 4. He heard a voice say to him. Now, I want you to picture this moment one final time. He fell to the ground, probably face towards the floor, okay? And heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up. Go into the city. The men traveling with Saul stood speechless. Paul was probably face down. He had to probably turn around. This is what repentance is. It's to turn. I was going this way. Now I'm going that way. I was living for myself. Now I'm living for God. And I want to encourage you. Saturday nights for me. I share this with our dream team. Saturday nights are some of my least favorite time through the week. Why? Because then the anxiety comes in. It's the, it's the night before I preach. It's the night before the breakthrough. Anyone else find it so hard to get to church? I don't know why. My, I'm arguing with my spouse. I can't get my kids out of bed. I don't know why. Our alarm clock didn't go off. It's like the devil will do everything he can to keep you out from community, from the presence of God. You think it's random when it's so intentional. This is what you need to know. It's right before the turnaround, the enemy's gonna tell you to turn around. Every single time. Maybe someone is watching online right now, you're in the room, and you are this close to throwing the marriage away. Right before the turnaround, the enemy's gonna tell you to turn around. You're this close from literally mental and emotional breakthrough in health, and the enemy's telling you it's too late. It's right before the Red Sea parts, and the the army of Egypt is right behind you. You feel the voice of the enemy breathing down your neck. It's right at that moment the Lord splits the sea. Can I encourage you this morning? Don't turn around when the enemy is telling you it is too late. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. Somebody say speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Acts 9, 26, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he was even the disciple. I want to leave you with this, that God wants to do something so amazing in your life, a turnaround that would leave people speechless. And here's what I want to invite you to. Baptism Sunday is two weeks from now, November the 12th. There are people watching online in the room, you have not been baptized yet, and God is saying today is the day of salvation. Don't turn around now. You've come too far. You've come too far in the marriage. You've come too far in your faith. To turn around now, keep going. Keep going because you're not alone. We're with you. The Lord is with you. Would you bow your head with me? Father, we thank you in Jesus' name, and I wanna give a very clear response, two things. One is this, there are people in this room watching online that have one foot in for God and one foot out. And the Lord is asking you today, are you all in? In other words, are you sold out? 
And with heads bowed and eyes closed right now, I just want to give a response for anyone that's saying, Andy, I'm going all in today. I am selling out to Jesus everything, everything, not just a, a salvation prayer, but I am surrendering my life to him today. I believe in the gospel today. Would you raise your hand today if that's you? You're saying, Andy, I'm, I'm going all in. I'm selling out today. Just lift your hand. You're watching online, lift your hand. And I want to pray this prayer, the prayer of salvation. Let's all pray this prayer together under our breath, just softly. Father, let's all say it together. Say, Father, I've sinned against you. I repent. I turn. I give you my life. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the grace. I receive the good news that you died for me. You rose for me. I believe you're the son of God. So fill me with your spirit and let me live for you. Second response for anyone that is just saying, Andy, I need discernment. I cannot tell the left to the right what voice is going this way, why that voice is still in my life. And I believe right now there is about to be breakthrough. Would you lift your hand right now if that's you? Maybe you think it's a generational curse. Maybe it's a cycle. Maybe it's just voices. God, I thank you in Jesus' name right now. We ask, Lord, would you remove those chains in Jesus' name? Would the chains fall to the floor right now, God? We break off fear in the name of Jesus. We break off anxiety in the name of Jesus, God. We break off the depressive spirit. God, we break off accusation and lies. God, I pray right now, would you fill the believers with truth? Would they feel the empowering and unleashing of your spirit this morning? And I declare this over all the believers online in the room, that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Let's say it together. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Come on, open up your eyes. Let's say it again. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. One more time. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Let's give him a shout of praise this morning. Come on, we're free. We're chosen. We're loved. You are unleashed. So let's celebrate that today and let's praise God.